Please remain standing this morning for a reading of scripture that comes to us out of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We read through verse 11. Acts 1, 1 through 11. In the words of the author, Luke. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and mouths by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we hear the word and hear your word, we may be transformed from the inside out and invited to do your work, persuaded to be your children. In your name we pray, amen. Whenever you hear the word mean, M-E-A-N, mean, What's the first definition that comes to mind? Unkind. Unkind. Anybody else? What's the first definition when you hear the word mean? Bad. Bad. Anything else? (laughs) Just an average definition for you. Any others? There's so many different directions you could go with this word, isn't there? Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was going to tell a story about a man with three daughters, but I think I can change it to a man and his sisters. But it was a man who had three daughters, and the word mean was thrown around a lot in their house. So he gave them an assignment of looking up the definition of the word mean and reporting back to him. This was the definition that they brought back. An average point between two extremes. You've heard this before. An average point between two extremes. After looking at their sly faces and figuring there was a bit of mischief at play, he actually decided that this was a very appropriate definition. He considered math first while pondering over the definition, but then he uh, thought about other extremes in life. 
Most notably, the difference between ordinary on one end of the spectrum and extraordinary on the other end. So here is my question for us today. And perhaps the same idea that facing the disciples on this very day, that they were encountered in Acts. How much of our lives do we spend somewhere in the middle of the extremes of ordinary and extraordinary? If, if we were given the opportunity to live exceptional, extraordinary lives on a regular basis, who wouldn't want to seize that, right? Say amen. This is the exact opportunity that God has in fact promised us and has made available to us that we can live exceptional and extraordinary lives. And we do it through the extreme power of the gift that is the Holy Spirit. This is how we fulfill the commission that we talked about that Jesus gave us last week. The commission to go and make disciples, baptizing all people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is how we fulfill the commission. This is how he was telling the disciples to do it and it's how we are called to do it. Through the power of the extreme gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was very fair and he knew that sending them out ill-prepared would not be a good idea. Just like if we go to carry out a task or to go to a job or what have you, we have to be prepared. We have to have tools in our toolbox. Jesus gave the disciples the tools that day just like we all have the proper tools to carry out the commission to go and to make disciples. Our primary tool, if you will, is the Holy Spirit. The toolbox of success. There is, however, a big caveat to this gift to this extreme power. And it was made clear in this scripture, not only to the disciples, but to all of us. And the caveat was this. We must live and operate under God's authority, under God's power, and under God's time and not our own. When I was a child, like probably many of you or many of your kids or grandkids, I could not wait until Christmas Day to open my presents. And I would start begging from like the second week of December whenever the presents started showing up under the tree. I would beg, Mom, just one, please, just one gift. And she said, no, you must wait. So the next day, guess what? 
Mom, just look. Can I just peek? Can I shake it? No, you must wait. And this went on for at least two weeks every year. And it was always hard to wait. But you know what I realized today? Waiting until Christmas Day made it oh so much more special. It made it so much better. It was always worth the wait. Do you agree? This is the message that Jesus brings to the disciples in the scripture today. This is the message that Jesus brings to us in verses 7 and 8 of our scripture. He says to the disciples and for us to listen, you don't get to know the time. And you shouldn't concern yourself with that because that's God's business. <laughs> How many of us concern ourselves with things that are none of our business but are God's business only? Hello? <laughs> Jesus says to the disciples, don't worry about when. You just need to be concerned with what. Don't worry about the time. You don't get to know it because that is God's business. When God is ready, he says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in the world. The message is this, folks. It's up to us to decide to go. Just like it was up to the disciples to actually decide to go. And after we have made the decision to go, God grants us the toolbox of success we need in order to carry out the going. And that toolbox of success is the Holy Spirit. Did you notice the progression here? Back up for one second. Earth breaks. Did you notice the way Luke worded the passage here? The progression is this. They would receive the Holy Spirit first. Second, the power would be given to them. And then, and only then, they would witness with extraordinary results. The progression matters here because how often do we try to reverse the order and witness by our own power, our own authority, our own time, our own perceived gifts only to not receive extraordinary results but only receive ordinary results. There was a guy who was trying to put together one of those prefabricated entertainment centers for his television equipment. And uh, pre-disclosure, this is not a story about me. It may be a story about Roy, but this is not a story about me. And so the guy figured that he could, do, he could put together this entertainment center on his own, and he did not need those instructions. And so he did. He put it together himself, and in the middle of the night, guess what? Crash! 
Big Bang in the middle of the night. And he runs downstairs to check it out. This is why it can't be me because we've never had it downstairs. He runs downstairs to check out the crash and guess what happened? The entertainment center had come apart. So he can't figure out what's going on, why it did that. So he swallows his pride, grabs the instructions, and then realizes exactly what that one little small piece that was left over that he didn't use because he didn't think he needed it actually does. It was a part of the major support system of the entertainment center. Had he read the instructions, he would have known what that little piece was designed for and he, had, and he wouldn't have left it out. Okay, fellas, confession time. How many of us have done something of this in the past? Roy, raise your hand. Howard's got two hands up. Sometimes if we just take the critical extra step, we would know the significance of using all the pieces that we are given. And that every piece is significant. God has important work for each and every single one of us. But we must do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Which means God's way, God's power, God's authority, God's time. It is important that we remember that if you hear nothing else today. I want you to remember this phrase. Witnessing is not showing what we can do for God. But it is showing and telling what God has done for us. Are you with me? Witnessing is not about showing or, what, or telling what we have done for God. It is and always will be about what God has and is and will do for us. We must operate in God's power, God's timing, God's authority. This was the message to the disciples in Acts and in waiting for God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, they were able to be more effective in making disciples than they could ever have imagined. When we operate in God's time, using God's gift, that of the Holy Spirit, we can live extraordinary lives and transform people in ways we can never have imagined. We can do that in this community, in this church, and around the world. So the question for us today is, is, how many of us are living mean lives? How many of us are living somewhere just in the middle of ordinary and extraordinary? Not really fulfilling all of our potential. The gift of the Holy Spirit as described in Acts confronts and confounds the mean of our existence. We are placed here, folks, to live exceptional lives. God has no intention of giving us the gifts of Jesus and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then watching us merely get by. Hello? God never intended to send the disciples and watch them fail. God does not send us 
Have us respond with go and then sit back and watch us fail. Our God doesn't work that way. God provides us the tools we need to live exceptional lives. Our place in the family of God makes all of us children and heirs. We can choose today to take hold of this gift. It is our help. The Holy Spirit is our strength. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. We are heirs to the wonderful message of redemption and the gift of the Holy Spirit indeed connects us directly to the heart of God. Be reminded of this as we close today. A gift is something that is given to us freely. We don't demand a gift of somebody, do we? We don't go up to someone and say, hey, gift day, hand it over. We don't demand the gift of the giver. We wait for it to be given to us, and then we do amazing things with it. We don't demand of the Holy Spirit as the gift of God. God freely gives it, and then we do amazing things with it. So what are we doing that's extraordinary in our homes, in the life of our church, in this community, in the greater church, in the greater world? What would it look like if from the ground up we all lived exceptional, extraordinary lives in the power of the Holy Spirit and we quit settling for ordinary. The power of the Holy Spirit makes that possible. Therefore, the kingdom awaits. So then let us go out. Let us live exceptional lives in Christ Jesus our Lord and let's do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.